Dead Headspace. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and all other major platforms. I'm your host, Patrick R. McDonough, joined by my co-host, Brendan LaFaro. Hey, everybody. And today we are joined with comedian Matt Light. Hey, man. How are you? How's it going? Good. Good to finally do this, huh? We've had this plan for like, what, a month now? I think it's been a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've wanted to talk to you for a while before I even had this podcast together. I'm like, I need that guy on my show. Yeah, we're going to have fun, man. I'm excited. What got you into horror? <laughs> what got me into horror films? Is that what you asked me? I asked what got you into horror, but that's just our baseline question. What got me into horror? Is that like the Massachusetts version of saying it? Uh, it- I, I'm not sure. Brennan, take over. <laughs> What got me in the horror? Patrick, Patrick thought it would be funny to ask you what got you into horror because typically everybody we get onto our uh, show is an author, uh, an artist uh, uh, involved in movies in some capacity involved in horror. So he thought it would be funny to ask you that. I told him it was a dumbass idea. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's he's 0 for one right now in questions. Uh oh. His. <laughs> <I'm fucked. laughs> no, uh, with I mean horror. I mean spoiler alert. I'm not really into horror films. I'm not in that many things horror. Uh, I'm not the guy that goes to haunted houses and points out everything like, oh, there's a guy behind there. Like, I'm not that kind of asshole. But it's just like it, I never got into it. Um, and it's uh, it's weird because like I work with people that are like iconic in horror films. And, and I didn't even – I mean I knew who it was. So I worked with uh, Doug Bradley who played Pinhead uh, in Hellraiser. And, uh, like, everybody was like, oh, my God, he's going to be on set. I'm like, who the fuck? What? What? What is this? You know what I mean? And then my buddy's you know that dude that's got all those nails to his head? I'm like, yeah. He's like, that guy. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, so, like, everyone on set was, like, super nervous around him. And I'm just like, what's up, dude? Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) Well, what, what was he like? Oh, my God. He's so funny. Uh, and it, as a comedian, like you kind of, you kind of can tell if somebody's trying too hard to be funny around you, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Trying to force jokes or they'll be like, Hey, use this joke, uh, you know, for the next time you're on set, one of your sketches. And I'm like, dude, shut up. But like Doug is hysterical, man. Like he'd have to do something like super serious. And then all of a sudden he'd crack a joke or jump into the wrestling ring and just be a complete goofball, man. So and it's really cool to see that side of him. Um, but Pittsburgh, actually just Pittsburgh in general, man, we're known for horror. Mm. Like we're a big – did you know that? I did know because George Romero and Tom Savini. Yeah, yeah. Night of the Dead started in Pittsburgh, man. So that was the first horror film I ever watched, and that's why I don't like horror films. Because my I was like three years old, black and white, scared the shit out of me. My uncle made me watch this. So every time and, and it was filmed, I think, at the Monroeville Mall and then like uh, like some like farms around there. So it scared the shit out of me. Right. And I was like, I'm not fucking going to any mall ever again. Nothing. I'm staying at home. But I've always been a chicken shit with like everything. Um like Mortal Kombat, dude, I couldn't play that game. That would scare the shit out of me. The fucking Adams family used to scare <laughs> me. Like, which was weird, because listen, the show, I mean, the show was scary on Nick at Night, right? Mm. Freaked me out. And I thought Gomez 
was creepy in the movie with his thin mustache. But I thought Wednesday was so fucking hot when I was a kid, right? Mm. And then, like, as Christina Ricci got older, I had, like, the biggest crush on her. And I was like, ah, I guess I can finally go back and watch these movies and not be afraid of this shit. That's pretty damn funny. Now, with Doug Bradley, for those that don't know what Blackcraft Wrestling is, can you tell us what is basically what the bullet points are and how you got involved? Uh, I'll tell you what Blackcraft Wrestling was. Uh, okay. it's, it's no longer a thing. So pretty much we were si- – this is how Blackcraft Wrestling came. Um, <clears throat> Bobby Shubinsky, uh owns Blackcraft Cult, uh, the clothing company. And they do a lot of collaborations with horror films and and, and gothic uh, hot topic shit. And we were sitting there, and he has a lot of wrestling friends too, like in WWE. And I was like, dude, I have an amazing shirt that you could sell <clears throat> and make a shit ton of money. And uh, it said, "Wrestling is real, God is fake." And I was like, this is gonna <laughs> this is gonna crush, right? So. This shirt, like, sells so many shirts, like, instantly. Right. And then we pretty much were like, hey, bro, why don't we fucking – I mean, you know Seth Rollins. You know all these top WWE guys you're friends with. Why don't we start our own wrestling thing? And he's like, you think we can do it? And I'm like – you know, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, we can do it, you know? <laughs> so we start doing it, and we had – I mean, John Morrison was our champion, uh, who's now in WWE again. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really successful company. Um, you know, we, we had, we made it more of a storyline with like Doug Bradley was like the Vince McMahon, the face of the cult, uh, and things like that. We had druids coming out all scary and shit, uh, at, at our last show, uh, probably one of the reasons why we got canceled is, um, we killed Doug Bradley. We, we slit his throat and, and when we slit his throat, he, I mean, we spent a lot of money on this gadget. It shot blood all over the fucking fans. <laughs> so they just got sprayed with Doug Bradley's fake blood everywhere. And uh, so that was it. And then we also had to do um, – we had to have the show over within two hours. Uh, and we were told we had five. So we had to make every match like three minutes long. And people were like, what the fuck is even going on? <laughs> like, John Morrison lost the title in eight seconds. Literally eight Holy fucking seconds. Holy shit. Eight seconds because it was at midnight. We started the show. We had to be out by 2 a.m. So we're like, I don't know. Just roll him over and fucking pin and we'll leave. And then that's what happened. So we got like independent scene just absolutely destroyed us. Uh, and rightfully so. We had a really bad show. And then after that, we kind of just realized financially, like, there's no money in wrestling. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was a lot of fun to do. Um, so that's what Blackcraft Wrestling was. It was just a bunch of friends that loved wrestling, that had co- ties to wrestling, and wanted to put something different together. And then if you look at the Undertaker-AJ Styles match, that Boneyard, did you watch that? I didn't see that one, no. So it's it's called like the graveyard or the boneyard match, whatever. It's like a movie almost, and they're fighting out like in this like farm. Well, they pretty much took exactly what we did, uh, but we don't get credit for it. <laughs> well, that so, was great. That's 
Okay, first off, uh, do you have – is there video footage online of Doug Bradley's neck being cut open? Oh, yeah. You can just probably Google search, like, Blackcraft Wrestling Doug Bradley, and then it's probably, like, five million thumbs down going, this fucking show sucked. <laughs> I mean, it was, like – it was the biggest disaster ever, but it was so much fun, man. And I think the fact that we could laugh about it and not give a shit, you know <laughs> – and the best part, the pay-per-view was called No Apologies. And we don't give a fuck. We're like, whatever. <laughs> We're not sorry. Thanks for your money. You know? I've known you digitally, like, for three years now, I think. Yeah. And I I know, I feel like, and we've talked about this off air, I, I feel like I know the, I know Matt Light, and then I know Matt. Comedian Matt. Yeah, there's Matt, and then there's Matt Light. They're kind of they're kind of the same person at sometimes, you know what I mean? If you get me at the wrong road rage situations or something, or if you know if uh, Le'Veon Bell uh, actually signed with the Steelers again, like yeah. there was moments of that. But yeah, I mean, there's two differences for sure. But I think that one thing, just my opinion, is that you just really don't give a shit what people have to say if they're one a random person or someone that's just opposing just to be a dick. You really don't care. No, I don't. I just I just think like with the way the world is right now and how everything is so sensitive and everybody's so PC, it's like the more and more you put limitations on yourself, the le- the more and more people are going to take away from you. Um, so I kind of just. I kind of like how South Park has grandfathered themselves into doing whatever they want, whenever they want, and they're not going to apologize for it. Because what it is is the second you apologize for one thing, then another thing you're going to have to apologize for. And another thing, if you just say, hey, I'm kidding, fuck you, deal with it, then you're fine. Because then people are like, well, this is more important to you than that. It's like, no, I don't care. I make fun of myself. I make fun of my family. I make fun of everything. Uh, so if you're comfortable with that, then why can't I talk about you? You know what I mean? That's fair. That's fair. Brendan, you want to jump in so I stop hogging the space? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to bring you back all the way to uh, that initial question. We we tried to ask you uh, what come what, what got you into horror. But let's, let's talk about what got you into comedy. Um, now – I, I kind of would jump to the conclusion that most comedians are going to be the class clown in their fifth grade class. Is that that's you? Yeah, you're that not, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's funny because like that assumption that you say is no longer a thing because like now I'm watching a lot of younger comedians and they're like really weird, awk, socially awkward, like nerds that got beat up in high school and now this is like their outlet and it's super weird because it's like. I was that class clown, that bro, that I don't give a shit. I'm not even showing up to class with a pen, you know, books. Fuck those. Who reads those? You know, like I was this complete idiot. And then now there's these dudes that are like double majoring or they're like lawyers and shit. And it's like, wow, like you have all this potential and you're wasting it on comedy where this is all I fucking have. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just so different because like a lot of these guys, man, they're – off stage, I like to have fun and go out and drink and, and meet friends and fans and stuff like that. And these guys literally just like, oh, I'm going to go back home now and play with my iguana. And it's like, what the f- – why do you – why are you into comedy, man? Like, what the fuck? It's just – it's crazy. But, yeah, I was a big class clown. And, and actually, it's kind of when you said how did I get into comedy. Uh, when I was in 10th grade, 
what the what was his name? Mr. Terabishi was his name, I think. He was my social studies teacher, and and I and I was really bad in school, right? Like I didn't pay attention to stuff. But I would like the day before I would take my test and I would do decent, right? And then he'd always come up to me, he's like, "Light, why do you even like? Why do you even show up, man?" He's like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "I don't want to do this." He's like, "What about college?" And I was like, no, I don't want to. And he was one of the first guys that was just like, hey, man, like, why don't you try and get on SNL when you get out of high school? He's like, why don't you try and be a comedian? And like, I never thought that that would be like a feasible thing. But then when I got out of high school, I was just like, well, I'm not going to college. I'm going to be a server. So I might as well, like, you know, play with it and get into stand up. And and 13 years later, I'm on your podcast. So I made it, guys. This is it. I did it. <laughs> oh, I man. did it. He's fucked if this is his highlight. All 12 <laughs> listeners are definitely going to agree with you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> this is the Mecca of podcasts. What's it called again? Uh, uh, I think it's, uh, what's it called, Ben? Um, I don't know. It doesn't have a name yet. We'll figure yeah, it out a, at some point. We, we, have yeah. a, we have a we don't give a fuck attitude here at Dead Headspace. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's the name, yeah. <laughs> so, Matt, I, I, I love you still remember the name of that teacher who basically just just put it out there that it, oh it's, no it's I'm sorry to... you're wrong I didn't remember Mr. Terabishi <laughs> was actually our uh, counselor it was Mr. Tomaszewski yeah so now I remember who it was <laughs> the fucked up part is he could say okay, any last name and we'll believe him you remember that a teacher existed that uh, basically made it clear that you know. High school, college, you know, office job is not the only path. And I mean, here, here we are uh, taking a swing at your age uh, 10, 15 years later that um, that's still kind of the way we look at it. But I mean, it, it's totally legit to that. You know, not every kid who's a sophomore, who's a junior in high school is destined to go that Ivy League route or even the community college route and, yeah. and put in four years, get their bachelor's degree. And and it's it's great for you know somebody to recognize that that you know you yeah, have a talent and let's let's nurture that instead of you know kicking the shit out of you. And it's crazy, man, because like since then, like I'm friends with my seventh grade um, English teacher, Miss Kirsch. She comes out to all my shows and shit. Um, I talked to Mr. Lissack. He was my law and justice teacher. Like it's weird because it's like they knew that there was talent, they knew there was potential, but they knew that like. You could like I'm not a stupid person like I like when it comes to test taking, I always did very well. And they knew that like no matter what they tried to do, I just wasn't going to do it. I didn't care. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to be a part of it. You know, when I was younger, I had really good grades uh, and I would be so bored that they'd give me extra work to do. And I was like, I don't want to fucking do extra work. I'm like, if I just do nothing then you'll leave me alone. And that's kind of what I did from seventh to 12th grade. It's like, I just don't want bothered anymore. Um, so I, I don't think it was that I had potential. I just think I was just was fucking lazy. <laughs> stop. You, you got to stop trying. I'm, I'm trying to shine a light on you, man. I'm trying to cast oh, you. My this. last name's got enough light, brother. <laughs> We're good. So, I mean, you kind of glossed over. You said, okay, you know, you 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 wanted to take advantage of this potential path, try out comedy uh, as, as a vocation, uh, and now you've made it because you are the 20-something guest on Dead Headspace. But uh, give us a little of that in between. What, what, what I've done before that? Yeah, between high school and right this minute. Yeah, so uh, when I decided I wanted to do stand-up, uh, 
I wanted to put a show together. I was working at an Italian restaurant downtown called Tambellini's. Uh, and Charlie's the guy who owned the, the restaurant. And we used to tell dirty jokes all the time. And it was so funny because we both talked about how we fucking hated Bill Cosby and how we thought he was never funny at all. And this is before we found out he was a piece of shit, too. So, like, um, we, we always like, – like, I liked Andrew Dice Clay. For me, he was the first comedian I ever saw. Um, he was in my dad's VHS tape. I watched it. And he would tell nursery rhymes as a kid, you know. Like, I'm listening. I'm like, oh, hickory dickory dock. And I remember this. And then all of a sudden he's like, some chick was sucking. My-. I was like, oh, my God, that's not what I learned. You know, and I didn't even know what that meant, but it was so funny to me. So I got into stand up. I did a show at the restaurant. I did really well. And then I was like, well, I'm going to try and work at the improv. So then I did open mics at the improv and I bombed horribly. Like I wasn't funny for like four or five years. Uh, it took me a while uh, to get used to things. Uh, but then I picked up a little bit of rhythm. I had some uh, unfortunate things happen in my life uh, that really changed my attitude on how serious I was with stand-up comedy. Uh, and when that shit happened, I kind of went all in. Uh, and then since then, I've been able to open up for people like Gilbert Godfrey, uh, Bobcat, uh, Tom Green, David Spade, Dane Cook, uh, you know, Nikki Glaser, like so many awesome people. So and Nick Swartzen. So like it's been so awesome. Uh, but there's it's so many ups and downs, man. It's the thing about comedy is a lot like pro wrestling where it's like one night you can perform in front of a thousand people. And then literally the next night you're in a fucking bingo hall in front of 12 people that do not care about you whatsoever. So it's very humbling. Um, but it's fun and, uh, it's, you know, I'm 12 years into it now and it's still only the beginning, man. And I think there's going to be some really cool stuff happening, uh, hopefully in 2021. I'm hoping you come down to Atlantic city because like, I would love to see you. I've been trying. So like we had something set up in May. I was going to open up for my buddy, uh, Jeff died, but I couldn't get a hold of him. And, uh, I was going to go up there. He was there for the weekend, but he ended up having somebody up there open for him anyways. But dude, I, I'd love to go up to Atlantic city, man. It's my favorite degenerate place in the world. (laughs) Cause it's like, it's like, you know, it's like if, if Las Vegas was addicted to meth, that's what, atlantic city is you know <laughs> yeah it's it's, it's it's such a beautiful disaster because you see girls that will go to these swimming pools like it's a big fucking nightclub and i'm like dude you literally just stepped on a syringe like you're like this is not that nice but it's so like it's so beautifully disgusting that's what it should say welcome to atlantic sis atlantic city we're beautifully disgusting since whatever boardwalk empire started whatever year that was <laughs> Uh, I think it was uh, 2010. Yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I got no idea. Um. So comedy and horror, it really does not seem like there's uh, much difference in the f- sense that if you're a writer in just say just the horror genre and you're a stand-up comedian, they're yeah. both they're both scary to rely on having a full-time job because there's no. I imagine there's really no health benefits and it's like you said, you could be performing in a thousand people and then 12 the next day. Whereas a horror writer, most of <laughs> the, one of the biggest names, the guy that wrote bird box, uh, the book yeah. that be, Josh Mellerman, 
Dude, he wa- I guarantee non-book readers, they walk right by him. They're, they're not going to give a shit, even if they know who he is. Yeah, it's weird. It's 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 weird because it's like, you know, even doing stand-up comedy, people think, like, you're, like, this rock star and you have this, like, rock star lifestyle. It's like, dude, I eat fucking McDonald's every day. Like, that's, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, it's not – there's nothing glamorous about this. Like, yeah, you know, the first 15 minutes after your show's over – you know, and you crush and people think like, oh, my God, that was so awesome. But the second you get back in your car, you're just like, huh, the next one's tomorrow. You know what I mean? So you just got to <laughs> you got to take the best with it. But, yeah, dude, it's like financially it's really hard, man. And it's, uh, you know, with 2020, I mean, it like I had to pick up a real day job now. Um, I, I'm not going to tell you guys where or what I do because it's secret. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, once I realized that I was losing a lot of money from not being able to do shows, you know, I got a house, I got a mortgage and it's like, fuck man, like, what am I going to do? So, um, you just have to adapt though. I think that's the biggest thing with anything you have to realize you have to evolve. So, you know, it's an unfortunate situation, but I'm still fortunate enough to be in the position that I am where I can have a job now. And, you know, I didn't get sick from COVID. So I got to take the good and with the bad, you know what I mean? So as soon as we get out of this shit, fucking full throttle though. I love your attitude. That's what drew me, I think to you in the beginning, Brennan. And for anyone else that isn't aware, the first video I saw you in, I don't remember the specifics. I'm a Patriots fan. You're a Sailors fan. For those that oh, aren't, no aren't into football, because <laughs> there's probably not a lot to give a shit about football that listen to this. There, our teams are rivals, um, and Matt made this video where he was just shitting on all Patriot fans that had just garbled English, and it was <laughs> in this hoodie. It was in this hoodie too. It was so funny. You were just shitting on everyone. <laughs> I didn't care what team you rooted for. I'm like, I love this guy already. Uh, yeah, I was like, fuck Boston baked beans, fuck Dropkick Murphys, fuck lamb <laughs> chowder. I was like, fuck your tea party, and I just kept going. <laughs> So, uh, oh, he just put his Patriots hat on. Did you see I that? I had to switch. I had to switch. <laughs> yeah, for anyone that's just listened to audio, Brennan switched his hat into a uh, the team that we're talking about. Should, um, I, should I go get a Buccaneers hat so this is better? <laughs> Rude, man. No, we 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 have a we have a great quarterback now. We have a fantastic quarterback, number one, Superman. You don't. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Super- if we have a season, it'll be interesting. Just, just like the real Superman, he can't walk anymore. Cam <laughs> is done. He's <laughs> dust. So, so uh, speaking of evolving, how have you evolved over when you started? I guess it's always been stand-up comedy, right? There's no other variation of it. Uh, and by that, I mean like acting or anything. Yeah, I never got into acting. I was supposed to get into like we don't in Pittsburgh. There's not many talent agencies here, but there was a handful that I was supposed to get into, but I ended up being blacklisted, so I couldn't get into those because of a certain somebody else. I uh, told them not to sign me, so I kind of just been doing everything on my own and like doing stand up comedy. I what I said earlier is like I kind of do things my way and, and the way that I want to. So, you know, I'm not always PG. I'm not always G. I'm not even PC at times. So it's really hard for people to book you because they don't know what they're going to get. So I kind of just had to just be myself and evolve into being patient 
and realizing like I'm not everybody's cup of tea, but mm-hmm. eventually there's going to be people that are thirsty and they want and they want this. You know what I mean? Yeah, so sure. I did like I do a lot of crowd work. I've always done that. It just comes natural to me. But then as when I when I got sick and I had cancer uh, in 2013, I actually wrote material about that, which actually was a crutch for me, too, because I could talk about things that happened bad to me. And while talking about things that are bad for me, I'd be like, don't feel sorry for me. I'm still better than all of you guys. You know, (laughs) you know what I mean? So it was like, it was cool, but I always made sure that when I brought up my cancer, I never do it until my last 10 minutes of my set. So if I'm doing 40 minutes, 30 minutes, I'm shitting on everybody. And then the last 10, then I tell them, because if I do it up front and say I have cancer, they're going to feel sorry for me and they're going to let me get away with it. Mm. I want to earn it. I want to treat them like shit for 30 minutes. Tell them I have cancer. And like, yeah, now who's the asshole? You guys or me? You know what I mean? Uh, and, and go from there. So, you know, I talk about things like that, you know, growing up, you know, uh, with my parents and and stuff like that. I just talk about things that I think people can relate to. And and I think I'm a fresh breath, a breath of fresh air because I don't talk about politics because I don't know anything about them. I don't care about them. Uh, and I and I think comedy is an escape. I think it's a place where, like, no matter what your problems are, you're supposed to leave at that fucking door when you walk into a club. So for that 40 minutes to an hour that I'm on stage, my job is just to distract you from that shit, you know. And if I can do that for that little bit of a time, then I did my job. And that's another thing that I'm sorry if it sounds like an ass kissing session, but I'm very sincere with this stuff is uh, your your comedy is intelligent. It's rough. It's it, for some people, it, it's rough around the edges. I think it's funny. Um, I think comedy. Uh, I'm I'm a little apprehensive at this point to say there's no limits because I'm not smart enough to say there isn't. I can't back it up, but I am very confident in saying that um, you can get away with most things in comedy if it's done right. And I, from the three years or four that I've watched you, you do it right. You know how to read a crowd. Um, has there ever been a moment? Because I've seen like staged moments. One uh, was recent, where the you uh, was that where you uh, no, not the pod. <laughs> yeah, you want to tell Brennan about that? <laughs> that was funny. Oh, I was on a podcast. Another, I don't do podcasts. I don't do them because I think most people that ask questions are idiots. Not you guys. <laughs> no, you guys. You guys. No. Are, it's no, like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> No, you said it. Go fuck yourself, Matt. <laughs> it's like a group of like comedians, like Pittsburgh comedians. Like nobody gives a fuck about you. They're not going to care about me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like why don't we just hang out at Panera and just talk to each other? Because that's the only people that are going to fucking listen to this, right? So, um, for some reason in Pittsburgh, I'm not I'm not well liked by a lot of comedians, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they're not funny, and. And they're not successful, so they need excuses to fucking not like somebody. So this guy, Jeff Fieldhouse, that I I didn't really know him that well. He asked me to do his podcast. He goes, hey, my buddy Mike Zydell, who's a funny comic in Pittsburgh, said, you know, I'd, uh, I'd be a great guest. Would you do it? And I said, yeah, sure. And he – First thing he said to me, he's like, oh, my God, you're not a dickhead. I'm like, why would you think I was? He's like, well, everyone at the open mic says you are. And I go, are any of them funny? 
And he didn't say anything. Like, you don't even have to answer. Don't worry. I'll say it for you. They're not fucking funny. I go, they're just bitter assholes, man, like that. And he's like, oh, my God, what if we act like you're actually really an asshole? And then we'll do that for the teaser, for the promo. So, like, he (laughs) – so we have him set him up where he's going to ask me a question. And all I told him before we did this is I go, okay, start to ask me a question. I'm going to treat you like shit for 15 seconds, and then I'm going to push you on your couch. And he's like, okay. So we did it. It took like maybe four or five takes. But people were really messaging this guy. go, I told you he was a fucking asshole. I told you he was a piece of shit. And then when we dropped the episode, it's pretty much a fuck you to all those nerds. So. <laughs> Brandon, go ahead. I – I'm lost in the moment. <laughs> you, you need a moment to collect yourself. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I love it. Um, that's what I like about because I, at the end of the day, when I leave a conversation with you, I've never gone. Hmm. Wonder if he meant that because I I wonder that sometimes with people I talk about. Yeah. Um. I talk to. Sorry, not talk about with people I talk to sometimes whether it's within the horror community or and I'm not saying it is or day to day life or work life wherever. Um. A lot of people just, I, I don't know, man. It's just where they're not brutally honest uh, yeah. and they wear different masks. And I feel like I'm not that way. I don't think you are. Brennan, I'm not sure about. A little bit. <laughs> See, I think one of my favorite things is, is when I tell, like, I think this is the biggest compliment. Excuse me. <sighs> Sorry, Man, I was, wa- I was watching. I was watching the 2020 New England Patriots highlights. Oh, <laughs> and I had me on. Um, so, <laughs> no, I um, I think one of the biggest compliments that I get in comedy is that when a show is over and I'm in the lobby meeting, you know, people, and they come up to me and go, "Is that real? Is that real? Is that real?" And I go, "Well, did you think it was funny?" And they just laugh and they go, yeah. And I go, well, that's all you need to know, like that. Because I'll <laughs> never reveal my hand what's true and what's not because I don't like to blur those lines. But, I mean, usually the clue is you're at a fucking comedy show. So, like, what do you think? you think it's real or do you think it's me just fucking busting balls? You know what I mean? So, yeah. But that's always cool, though, because it's like, wow, I really sold it to where these fucking assholes really think X, Y, Z. But then there's times where people will be like – oh, well, you made fun of this kid in a wheelchair, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, you don't really have cancer, do you? And then I show them my scar, and then they're like, oh, how much for one of your shirts? <laughs> I'm like, then I'm like, they're 50 bucks, because now I know they got to buy one. Right. I'm like, they're 50 bucks, and they're like, do you, I don't, I'm like, I take square. And they're like, all right. I'm like, hey, thanks, have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, before we go anywhere else with this, I, I got to ask your you write all your comedy. So I'm curious what the process is like, because I, I got no clue about that stuff. Oh, if I knew what the process was like, I'd have a lot more material. I've been using the same shit for like two years. Now. <laughs> um, pretty much. I mean, what it is, is <clears throat> I just think about shitty things that have happened. Or like something that's so ridiculous. It's kind of like for me, if something I think is funny, I use the process of, all right, I caught a fish. It's this big. By the end of the story, when I write it, the fish is this big. So I base it off of some something that's true. And then I exaggerate and exaggerate and exaggerate and find ways to punch it up. Usually I don't write too much of the joke, though. Usually I write 
like five bullet points, like literally five words. And then I just go up on stage and in the middle of my set, I'll fucking just wing it and I'll record it. And then I'll go back and listen and be like, okay, that worked because I said this, that didn't work. I get rid of that. And then I just find a way to tighten it up and punch it up. So it's just really trial and error. I'm not a, I'm not a good writer. It's not, that's I think that's the difference between you and I is you actually are a writer. I'm more of a I have to say it for it for me to mean it because if I write something down on paper and then I try and perform it, mm-hmm. it doesn't come from my voice. It doesn't sound authentic to me. And I think the audience can kind of understand like, oh, he wrote this. Where like when I'm on stage, everything sounds off the cuff. So like if I did that word for word, they'd be like, okay, well, what the fuck is this? You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Wow. So you spitball spit what's the word i can't think improvisation of it. improvisation maybe. hey maybe that's why they call it the improv <laughs> <laughs> Brendan, take over for me man <laughs> so i mean has that always kind of been your routine did you ever kind of have a phase where you tried to go a little more rehearsed yeah so when i when i first started um i was a big anthony jeselnik fan uh and he's actually from pittsburgh and he wrote a lot of dark comedy and he would write a lot of one-liners. And I thought they were so funny. I thought they were up my alley in a sense where, like, I have a sick sense of humor, but I don't have that delivery. I don't have that charm that he has, and I don't have that writing skill that he has. So, like, I would, like, for example, like, one of his jokes is, um, he's, I just got a late, I got a phone call late last night saying my grandmother only has a couple days to live. And I don't want this to sound mean, but I'm not going to pay the ransom. So like he did like a lot of like Jack Handy style jokes from like SNL, like deep thoughts and shit. And I thought that shit was so funny to me. Um, but it just wasn't me. Like I appreciate it. And I tried to write like that. And I just realized this isn't who I am. Cause if I do crowd work, how am I going to write like two sentence fucking jokes and they'd be like, hey, nice shirt, dickhead. You know what I mean? So it just – you can't be intelligent and then white trash. Like you got to pick one side or the other. So <clears throat> so I always figure I'm kind of like the kid at the, the frat party that couldn't get into college. That's what my character pretty much is. You know, everybody else is getting married and, and I'm just sleeping on a couch. I'm fucking living the dream, eating cereal and, you know, getting high all day. That's what my character is. I'm trying to think of the actor's name and I'm spacing on it. I want to say it's Steven something. I'm just thinking of the guy on the couch in Half-Baked. Steven Wright. Yes. Yeah. 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 He's another one-liner guy <laughs> that I couldn't do that shit. But yeah, he's great. Babies, uh, I'm trying to think of that one. He's like, babies don't need a vacation, but I always see them at the beach. Yeah, he's a very, like, just dry. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't know him, Patrick. I've seen the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but he's a comedian on top of that. I'm sure you've seen the movie, but that's that's just just a glimpse. So, Matt, do you feel like you've kind of found a sweet spot for for what you're doing? Or do you kind of have ideas for how your act could evolve from here? things you want to try basically so i I, that's the one thing is like with evolving like i i'm i'm never comfortable uh i'm never satisfied where i'm at or what i'm doing uh the one thing that got me viral was actually i did the uh stone cold stunner 
at one of my shows at the Improv, and it was, ended up being on Good Morning America. And the reason why I did this in the first place was because I was supposed to be moving to L.A., and it was my going-away show in Pittsburgh, right? But um, I was supposed to be moving with my girlfriend. We broke up a few weeks before the going-away show. She went to L.A. without me, and now I sold you know, 400 tickets, and I'm supposed to be going away. I'm like, what the fuck do I do, you know? So I talked to the manager, and the manager was like, uh, I don't know. I'll fire you like Vince McMahon. I go, okay, cool. Then I'll give you the stunner. And he's like, uh, yeah, can you do that? I'm like, yeah, it's easy. I do it all the time. Never fucking did the stunner, right? <laughs> he's like, should we practice? I'm like, nah, fuck it. We'll just wing it, right? So <laughs> literally before I go on stage, we YouTube how to how to do the Stone Cold Stunner. It's two white trash dickheads on a fucking trampoline. And I go, yeah, you just drop to your knees. That's all you do, right? And he's like, you sure? I'm like, yeah, super easy, man. So we go out. He comes out, blah, blah, blah. I do the stunner. And then out of nowhere, now it's on Good Morning America. All these wrestling fans are following me. And I'm like, shit. Like now every show I I close out, they're going to expect me to do stuff. So one time I jumped off a ladder through a fucking table. The other time I choke slammed the female host through a table. The other time the honky tonk man, I opened up for him. He busted a guitar over my head. Like I just, and then I ended up going on tour with Rob Van Dam. So like for a year and a half, I was this guy that like was a stand up comedian, but you knew at the end there was a big wrestling moment or a big wrestling stunt. And that got kind of old because what's the next step? A, a buried alive match? Where I like, you know what I mean? Which cancer pretty much already gave me that, so I'm good on that shit. Oh so, <laughs> so I was like, I'm done with this. Uh, and then I uh, I got into like doing this dirty show. It's just like a free for all, anything goes. And and I got a local strip club to come and and have girls walk all the comedians out, show their tits, and then they do the comedy. It's just so ridiculous, man. So pretty much, I want my show to be a train wreck, but I'm the conductor. Like I'm in control of the train wreck, but anything else that happens, I'm not in control of. Like you guys do whatever you want. So yeah, I guess it evolved in in, in a reverse evolution. <laughs> so uh, you're basically South Park, but for like the Pittsburgh improv scene. I think, no, I think that would be disrespectful to South Park. <laughs> I'm just, I just, I'm like, I'm like if Howard Stern was on public access, like Howard Stern and Tom Green had a kid that had a low sperm count. That would be me. So speaking of Tom Green, what was that like? Is he, is he like that all the time? He's not like that all the time, but dude, like, so he was my childhood hero, right? So uh, when I found out I was working with him, I asked to work with him. But the thing is, some comedians, you have to send in a tape uh, for them to approve it. So I had to send my tape and Tom was like, yeah, Matt's good. I can I'll use him. So I did press for the improv. So when Tom Green was doing press and stuff, I picked him up at his hotel. I took him to like all the radio stations, the TV spots. And then we and then I actually had to take him to Matt Express because he was sick. He had the cold. And I'm sitting there and uh, the uh, the nurse goes, Michael. And he stood up and I was like, wait, what the fuck like that? And I was like, yeah, like, you know, when they say don't meet your heroes, like it's that heartbreaking moment. Like, I'm like, wait a minute. What's his fucking name? 
So I Wikipedia, his name's Tom Green because his middle name is Thomas. I didn't know so, that. Yeah, but it's Michael Thomas Green. So, But he's always been called Tom. Like my dad, too. Like my dad's name is George Frederick Light. We all know him as Fred, mm. and which was super weird because when I was a kid, I never knew this because my dad used to trick me. My dad was like, hey, Matt, if, if anybody calls and they ask for George, tell him he's dead. And I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, fuck George. Who's George, right? Like, I didn't know my dad's name was George until I was, like, 17 years old. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I mean, like, hanging out with Tom Green was super cool. We talked about, um, you know, he had testicular. I had regular uh, lymphoma, Hodgkin's. And, uh, dude, it was, like, it was a dream come true. It was seriously the coolest thing that, I mean – when I was a kid, I bought a camcorder, you know, and I went to like the amusement parks trying to be him. Like he's what I wanted to be. So, you know, if stand up were to end right now and I and I just work my nine to five for the rest of my life, like if you would have told me at nine years old, you're going to open up for this, dude, then I'm I'm set. Like I'm good. Like all this is icing on the cake, man. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm like it was it was so cool, man. And. A guy that's in the same ballpark is Preston Lacey. I, mm. he's so funny. He's hilarious. I first saw him when, you know, he appeared on I forget which Jackass, but I, we are of the same age, or at least close to. I'm 31. I don't know. 31. Yeah, I just turned 31. I mean, like I watched every Jackass movie and the, yeah. the show when it was out, man. I, I, Preston was so funny. Yeah. Yeah, he's one of my really good friends now. It's weird because um, I never expected that. Um, you know, because I'm watching him at like 10 years old. He's doing an eggnog <laughs> challenge and they're puking all over him and shit. Like he was – it was funny because like he was one of my favorites and nobody talked about him because that was my that was my favorite moment in Jackass. For those of you that don't remember it, um, so what happens is it was a Christmas edition and – they have to do an eggnog challenge. It's him and two other random people that aren't even on Jackass. And Preston passes out after like 50 shots of eggnog. This other dude wakes up. He pukes in Preston's hat. Preston's dressed like a snowman. And he keeps trying to take off his fucking carrot nose. And Knox was like, you got to keep the nose on. So Preston's passed out drunk. Dude pukes in his hat. Puts it back on his head, and Preston just flips the table, starts ripping down all the ornaments on the wall, and dude, like, and like, this shit was so funny. So like, I had an opportunity to work with him at the Pittsburgh Improv, and usually when you get guys like that who like, Preston wasn't the star of the show. Like, he's not Knoxville, right? He's not Steve-O. Like, those guys are the two big names, I would say, right? And and yeah, Bam yeah. from whatever, but like, he's definitely a main guy, but like. Knoxville's a star, right? For usually, sure. if it's not the main guy and it's one of his supporting role people, they're usually fucking dickheads. Um, and they're usually assholes in the green room. Mm-hmm. Uh, Preston, super nice guy. Absolute fucking sweetheart. I talk to him, you know, very often. Um, yeah, so... To like Tom Green and Preston, like what the fuck? Like it's just, dude, it's it's crazy, man. Like it's insane. And people will be like, oh my god, you talk to him, and I'm like, oh yeah, because I don't think of him as the guy from Jackass anymore. Right. So like I just put on Jackass three a couple weeks ago, and I'm forgetting he's even in the movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I see him like, hey, my friend's on, and the, and they're like, what are you talking about? It's like, yeah, we know, dickhead. Like so, it's just it's crazy, man. That's yeah. I mean, like you said, you open for Dane Cook. Um, 
something for horror fans that would be very jealous of you besides, you know, kind of working with one of the biggest icons, Doug Bradley. Uh, you also worked with one of the other biggest icons in uh, the practical effects arena, Tom Savini. How? How did that happen? No, I didn't work with Tom. Okay. I worked with Jason Baker. Oh, oh, my apologies. <clears throat> That's also another big name, though. <laughs> yeah, Jason's huge. So, um, first of all, here, let me tell you something about Tom Savini. I didn't, because I'm not really big in the horror films, like, so I knew, like, I knew of him because his daughter, Leah, was popular with, like, my friend's friends or something, but I never met her. And they're like, yeah, her dad, his dad's a big deal. And I was like, who? And they're like, Tom Savini. I go, yeah, I don't know who that is. And they <laughs> showed me a picture of him. So I didn't know he did makeup. I go, oh, sex machine. Yeah, from Dust like, Till Dawn. <laughs> they're like, what? I'm like, that's the dude that has a gun on his dick and shoots fucking vampires. Or what were they, zombies? What were they, vampires? Uh, yeah, vampires. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, no, like, he's more than just that. I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't get any bigger than shooting people with your dick. I think that's the coolest thing he's ever – I don't care what he's done. That's how I will always remember him, right? Yep. Like, because that's awesome. So – so then I, I start my podcast, R.I.P., that lasted like four episodes because I'm super lazy. Um, what I wanted to do is I wanted to have like somebody for Halloween on. And everybody kept saying Jason Baker, Jason Baker, Jason Baker. And I'm like, oh, my God, I got to find out who this guy is. So I look him up, and I'm a huge wrestling fan. Mm. He designed the mask for Bray Wyatt. And I was like, fuck, I'm asking him. I'm going to ask him. I got to have him on here. And then he designed uh, Corey from Slipknot's mask the one where it looks like a milk jug the plastic yeah, i jug. remember listening when this episode came out yeah it was a good episode man <clears throat> yeah it was really cool man like and jason honestly is like super talented they're actually doing like personalized covid masks of i think jason like the hockey mask hmm. they're pretty sweet man um but yeah he's a super nice guy and and like what he was telling me about how expensive it is to really make these masks and they're not they're not Oper- like machine operated all everything is done by hand oh, and wow. it's just it's unbelievable so like i kind of i would say the only thing that uh i've learned about horror was about tom savini and like seeing what he's done throughout the years is unbelievable and recently in pittsburgh one of the neighborhoods they painted a big mural of him on the side of a building so it's been pretty sweet but yeah dude shout out to sex machine Anything else uh, as far as comedy legends go that you were kind of still in awe that you got to work with them? Bobcat was huge because Bobcat's big ass show, Police Academy, all that shit. Uh, My dad was a huge fan of his. Gilbert Godfrey was fucking so awesome because like, like, I mean, you don't have like at any age level, you know, Gilbert Godfrey is because he was the dad. I mean, he was the principal and problem child. He was the parrot in Aladdin. He mm-hmm. was the fucking Affleck duck. You know what I mean? Like this guy, <laughs> literally though, was everything. And um, watching him on stage was so cool. And it's funny because he always talks like this. And like <laughs> in person, he's just got this like he's he's got this deep Jewish voice. And he's like, oh, hello. And I'm like, who the fuck are you, man? Like, that, <laughs> how are you supposed to be squinting your eyes? I'm like, yeah, what the fuck? You know? So, um, yeah, he was awesome. I I mean, there's been a lot of guys. And, like, my my things running 
like a blank right now because there's been so many. But it's just – I would say Gilbert stuck out the most because I think for me it's like my – I always wanted to make my dad laugh. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like guys that my dad liked made me like them. You know what I mean? Yeah. But Tom Green was number one for me, and it, it will always be. The only other person that would be like holy shit for me, I Chappelle and um, and uh, Dice Clay. Those are the two names that like I'd love to open up for. Um, other than that, I'm I'm cool. You know what I mean. But yeah, Chappelle, yeah. I probably won't ever work with him just because it won't happen. Dice Clay, if he comes to Pittsburgh and doesn't bring an opener, there's a good chance I could open for him. So I'm just hoping so bad that like he comes here. Dave, Dave Chappelle has reached a level that I think very few will ever touch. Oh, he's the best ever. And I and 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 like I mean, dude, he he talked about what's going on in the world. Um, and he did a special about it and like, mm-hmm. it's amazing, man. It's like, I don't care what side you, what side you're on. Just listen to him talk, man. He's awesome, dude. He's, he's the, he's the best ever. And I, I don't know how people can argue it at this point. Like he's, he comes out with a new special now every year. He had the best fucking sketch show of all time. You know what I mean? He's oh yeah. The, Dave, the Chappelle show is awesome. Chappelle I show loved was it. so good, dude. Chappelle show was so good. Um, he's the best. He's the Bill Burr would also be another one, actually. Bill Burr would be fucking up there. He's hilarious. Amazing. And he was in Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah, he was. Shows. He was. Him and Lavelle Crawford. Yeah. Listen to Bill Burr talk. He's. I love it. Like some people might look at comedy, and, and again, it's relatable to horror because they're like either with comedy they're like, oh, that's just dumb saying stupid shit, or with horror they're just saying. Oh, they're just trying to be gross. When that's not the case, there's a lot more that goes behind the scenes of it. Yeah, there's like that's like when we talked about when it comes to jokes and it's like to craft a good joke about a shitty subject is there's so many layers to it. Because anybody can talk about a, a touchy subject and get the mm. shock value. But the goal is to make you cringe until you laugh. You have no other excuse but to laugh because it's been done and executed executed so well. That's the payoff. You know what I mean? Like you don't mm-hmm. want to laugh, but I'm gonna make you. Like when I get like when there's old people there and I talk about blowjobs or sex and they're <laughs> like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, fucking, you're gonna laugh for like 30 seconds and you don't even know. And then when I see like an old couple laughing while well, I'm going, Aah! and they're just like, <laughs> it's it's ridiculous, and it's like the biggest victory ever. It's like if the Steelers could somehow go up to Gillette and win. You know what I mean? It's that that payoff. Well, it could happen like every time now. So <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um, for those that are just listening on audio, Matt was doing uh, the motion of uh, giving a blowjob. Yeah, it was really good. Brendan, do you have anything to add to that? (laughs) To that? No. (laughs) Too much teeth? Was I using too much teeth, Brennan? I'm pretty sure. You know, who am I to critique your uh, technique? No. Go ahead. I was curious, have you ever run into a situation where the audience was a lot tougher than you would have expected? And if so, like, how do you deal with that? Yeah, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of times it's kind of like you have to, like, uh, you, gotta, you just got to keep going, man. Fuck them. You know what I mean? You just got <laughs> to keep going. Like, if they don't like you, at least have fun with yourself. 
Sure. You know what I mean? There's times where I'll do a show and go, oh, they're not going to like me. And then they end up liking me. And it's like you can get a little bit of victories. However, there's been times where like at the end of my set, I tell you, I talk about cancer, right? Mm. Well, this girl came back from the bar because she's a drunk bitch. Uh, so she missed like 10 minutes of my set. She comes in. I'm in the middle of one of my cancer stories. She goes, hey, cancer's not funny. And everybody looked at it. And I'm like, yeah, I know, asshole. Have you not been listening the last 10 minutes? And she's like, fuck you like that. And my mom was actually at the show. And my mom goes, shh, like that. And then, dude, (laughs) this girl, she threw a drink at my mom. My mom ran full speed. Bobby Boucher fucking speared her on the ground and starts (laughs) teeing off on her fucking face. Dude, I'm on stage trying to wrap up the show. This is going on. And uh, then I have to get off stage. I got to get my mom off this girl. I'm like, you got to go. The cops are coming. Leave. Uh, so, yeah, I'd say that was kind of a disaster. <laughs> yeah, man. Wasn't expecting that answer. I don't know what I would do if I saw my mom uh, just throw, throw a bow I, at someone. I was just – I was so impressed and also scared at the same time. Like, I can't believe I talked shit to you when I was nine years old. <laughs> Like, if I would have known the level of punishment and abuse I was in, I would have never said a fucking thing. I would have learned how to cook. I would have done my dishes. I would have brought my books to school. Like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Have you ever heard of the comedian uh, June Boykin? She goes by Just June. No. Is she funny? She is. She's this little – she reminds me of uh, my my nano is this little – a uh, petite Irish American woman, and uh, she was basically the black version of that. If she had a potty mouth, and it, she was. We, me, and my wife went on this uh, cruise last year, and the way she looks physically, the words that come out of her mouth does not match it, and it goes, it, bl- it blends together brilliantly. Yeah. Um, she was on Coming to America. It was a very. I don't think there was any dialogue to her character, but she she's been on like. For talk shows like Oprah and uh, BET's Comic View, uh, just a bunch of other stuff. That's just, awesome. Yeah, so when my wife and I, not that we go on a lot, we've been on like two cruises. We love going to – We love – well, for us, first off, go, go to ones where there's 18-plus areas so little kids aren't running around. Yeah, I throw them overboard. Fuck <laughs> We have fun, and we like having a few drinks and listening to comedians because just it's vacation. And it's like you said, for if, I agree with it. Everyone probably won't, but comedy should be some form of escapism, as I think most fiction should. Um, it just even if all this shit wasn't happening in 2020, the world's still fucked up and crazy. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It always it's, will be. And to do what you do, I mean. Not, I don't know how else to say this, but like you guys are doing a service. Like if there's no art at all, any comedy, any whatever, I'm pretty sure everyone would kill each other. <laughs> oh, I know, man, and that's like, that's the one thing that's like, uh, it's so weird though, because you'll go and like I don't, like, I don't understand people's mindsets, because sometimes I'll do shows, and you were talking about disaster shows. One of the things that always bothered me is like, you know, if you're in the front row. You know I'm going to talk to you. You know somebody at the show is going to address you. Or there's a very high percentage. 
And there's so many times that I see couples, whether he's pissed off about how expensive the mozzarella sticks are or whatever the situation is, but they sit there with their arms crossed, like, go ahead, make me laugh. I don't even want to be here. It's like, sir, are you court ordered to be here? Get the fuck out. Like, I don't need you. Like, like this is T this isn't TV. I can see you motherfucker. You know what I mean? Like you're making me uncomfortable. I'm trying to entertain everybody. And you're just like, it's, I'm like, dude, like sit in the back then. You know what I mean? Why sit up front? You're the first person I see when I get on stage and you have this posture of, yeah, I don't want to fucking be here. So it's like, I never understood why people try and like have that hard ass mentality. Like, you're not going to make me laugh. It's like, that's like what I said earlier about the haunted house thing. Mm. Like, oh, there's a scary guy over here. Here he comes, guy. Like, just just jump up and scream, pussy. Right. You know what I mean? You're allowed to enjoy <laughs> things, you miserable accountant prick. Yeah, um, I really think that comedians and writers are just uh, not appreciated enough. It's like, yeah, well, what's the point? Like, it's it's people like that. Because I've seen this on the last cruise my wife went and I went on. This guy got fucking obliterated. To the point where the casino floor manager knew his name, cut him off by his first name, and to the three shows we were at that he was at, he somehow always ended up in the front row, always had to interrupt it. For me as a spectator, I wanted to go over there, and I don't fight, dude. I wanted to knock him in the teeth and uh, say, get the fuck out of here. So as a comedian, I know I'm sure you run into your share of drunken assholes. What do you do? I kill him. (laughs) Kill him. Not not the way you think with a knife or however the horror movies are. I didn't I like just, that. I just, I just, I hope not. I just let them talk and talk and talk and talk. It's like a sales call. The more you talk, the more you're going to reveal to me. So keep talking, keep rambling, because when I open up my mouth, I'm not going to stop, and I'm going to fucking humiliate you. So I just, I just go, what else? What else you got? You want to keep going? Go ahead, man. Go ahead, because I'm I'm up here for a living. I do this for a living. You know what I mean? It's the same mm-hmm. people that watch Mayweather. Like, that fucking guy never knocks somebody out. It's like, come up here. He'll knock you the fuck out. Step in the ring with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, I love a heckler. I love a heckler because they think they're making the show better. They think they can do what I do. And a lot of comedians are like, oh, I hate hecklers. They ruin the show. Not me, because I fucking humiliate them. I embarrass <laughs> them. They're probably going to go home and in the car ride home punch their girlfriend in the face because they're so embarrassed because, A, he still drives a Trans Am, and, B, because I just buried him on stage. So I embrace it. I don't even care. Mm-hmm. Bring it on. I, I love the attitude. Brent, <laughs> how about, how about you? <laughs> you anything else? Uh, I, for there? one, don't promote domestic abuse. But... Well, I mean, neither. That's why I humiliate <laughs> that guy. I'm, I'm just saying, you know. Get an Uber, ladies. I, I I don't get it. I mean, to to me, it's the um maybe not the heckler, but the 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 jerk in the front row, you know, with the make me laugh attitude. Like, I'm not gonna go to the movies and pay ten bucks for a ticket, and be like, this is gonna be awful, you know. <laughs> What's the point? If, yeah, if I'm gonna shell out tickets, like I I, I want to laugh, I want to have a good time, man. <laughs> yeah, I think, sticks. <laughs> I think you have to go into any situation open minded, and I think that's like something that, you know, you should learn through time as a human. Like, you know, 
if you whatever mindset you have going into an event that you've never been to or that you've never seen before, that's not gonna change. You know what I mean? Like if I go, then I'm like, fuck this guy. I don't even want to see him. You automatically don't like me before I'm on stage. So no matter what I say, I can't win you over. And that's really hard for somebody like me because when you go to a comedy show, I'm usually the middle act, you know, which means the nationally touring act is goes on after me. I'm the last person before they go up. Like I really get them ready, right? So it's hard for me when – 350 people are there to see that person and they're not there to see me. They don't know anything about who I am. They don't know what I'm about. When you're close minded towards me, I, I don't struggle, but it's a disadvantage to that headliner who they all paid to see, who they all want to see, because that person can go up and be one, one third as funny as I am, which they usually are. And they fucking crush. And it's only because they liked him before they walked in. Like if Dave Chappelle went on stage and just jerked off and stared at somebody for an hour. Comedic genius. <laughs> comedic, funniest thing he's ever done ever. Matt but is if, not doing a jerk off motion. But if I, no, I'm not doing it. But if I go on stage and do it, I get arrested in eight seconds. You know what I mean? It's like, fuck this guy. Like, because... It's just that likability thing. So like when I go on stage, the first thing I try and do is get likability. And I tell one of my best jokes right off the bat, and that will tell me how the show goes. If that first joke doesn't land, I know like, oh, uh, this is going to be a long 25. <laughs> like, And I keep looking up, waiting for that red light to tell me, hey, you only got two minutes left. And it feels like an eternity when that light doesn't go off. Those are Thursday and Sunday shows. They're the worst. Good to know. Yeah, uh, you mentioned being um uh, kind of the the middle act. Um, as, speaking as a musician, or at least a musician before I had kids, back when I used to be cool. Um, you know, if you have like your opener, your middle person, your headliner, uh, the 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 opener at least has you know the the audience is excited and you know they still have patience and of course they're there for the headliner. Middle guy gets the shaft. Is that true for you too? It depends. It depends on if, if the first guy's good. If the first guy's not good, no, then I'm fucked. Usually, I I can still like you can still get out of it. Like I mean, I mean when you were in middle act, like you knew you could still do well, you know. But you, it's not you're not designed to do well. Honestly, the middle act should be the easiest time, time length wise, because a host goes up there does ten to fifteen minutes. We really didn't get to low anything about that person because during that time period most of the people are looking at the menus ordering drinks because there's only like six servers in a huge comedy club right so like they're not fucking paying attention to that dude really then the middle guy the middle guy is kind of the guy that goes up semi-cold but the the biggest thing is the first guy's job is to really only tell jokes at the end of the set once they are paying attention um, but if the first guy doesn't do well, it's really hard to recover from that. Um, but I would say the middle's not that bad, honestly. But you have to have a decent host. And we usually have decent hosts at the improv. Now, People do have a few drinks in them by that by the middle act, too. So Yeah, yeah. And also the servers aren't fucking walking around squatting down right in front of you while I'm talking. 
you know the so that's that's a disadvantage as a host is there um any advice for anyone that might be listening that does like comedy and wants to try stand-up is there what would you tell them just do it just have fun just honestly man like i think you know i mean everyone's going to be heavily influenced by whoever their favorite comedian is and that's kind of going to be your voice whether you want it to be or not because in the back of your head you're writing like that person and that's going to happen for a few months to a few years but honestly man enjoy it have fun be a good person and just if you think something is too over edge then it's over your head already you're too new to do it Mm. but if you think but if you if my biggest thing is to smile because if you smile during your set, nobody can hate you. They can think you're not funny, but no one's ever going to leave that car and, or that show and be like, fuck that guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? At least yeah. he was cool. He was cute. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the biggest thing, man, is just it's a gym, man. Just get as many reps as you can. Go to as many open mics as you can, and you're going to fail. You're not going to be funny for three years. It's normal, and don't give up. You know what I mean? And That's don't be hurt. discouraged because your friends will run out. Like, eventually, they're going to stop coming to your shit. Um, just keep fucking going. That That's great advice. Uh, I actually just got one more question. Is uh, Where do you see yourself? Because it sounds like 2021 is going to be pretty great for you. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you can talk about that maybe people can look into or expect uh, from you? I, I honestly, I don't really have much. Um, it's so hard because I'd like to say I have a lot of things planned, um, but I had a lot of things planned and they're gone uh, because of everything going on. So all I'll say is that uh, you know I'm going to do a lot more video content. Um, I'm going to do a lot more web-based stuff on Facebook Live. Uh, Instagram, Twitter. I want to do more of a social media presence, a bigger presence of that nature. So then that way, if this shit keeps going on, I can still build an audience instead of waiting for the stage to open up. And I think that's one thing that's really separated myself from a lot of these local guys is that um, there's no open mics, there's no stage time, so they're just like, fuck it. It's like, well, listen, you know, if there's a no-name headliner that comes to Pittsburgh or any city... Nobody knows who they are. They're only getting booked because of their credentials, right? But mm-hmm. they're not a they're not a home name. So like me and that guy right now, it's a level playing field. And I probably have more followers than that person online. So why not try and build my audience up to where his is and then get when this everything opens up, be like, yeah. Over the last six months, I've done this, 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 and this. My videos have been here. All I'm asking is for a shot. And I'll even headline one of those shitty Thursday shows that I talked about. I don't care. I'll perform in a fucking basement, dude. I just I just want to have fun. I miss I miss it, man. That's actually, you know what? I forgot about that. You're, uh, the social media presence, it's not just videos where you shit on Patriot fans. It's not just videos where you shit on even sports fans. Uh... The what is it? The date night um, when you first launched Blood that. <laughs> I thought it was the funniest thing. Yeah, you Bravo, talk- Bravo made it a fucking TV show. Did you see that? No, TLC. Uh, yeah, where they're dating guys from uh, or people from 90 Day Fiance. Yeah, something. They're doing an online dating show now. 
That's what you're doing, though. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, sweet, thanks for taking my ideas, assholes. <laughs> Can you tell us about yours? Yeah, mine was what they stole. <laughs> so watch that show and just imagine that I came up with it first. Are you doing <laughs> anything else besides uh, TLC things that uh, TLC would steal? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know any midgets, so I don't. Th- I think they're not going to come out with any more things for me to steal. Preston uh, Lacey probably does. I know he knows yeah. one. Yeah, if I do a video with Wee Man, Wee Man might get a like a five year contract with TLC. Maybe I'll hit him up. No, I mean I'm trying to do the tailgating shit again, um, but you know it's not happening. So right now it's just uh, it's we're just in such a weird situation, man. I'm just trying to be safe, you yeah. know, do the social distancing, uh, trying to be respectful for that, you know, wearing my masks when need be. But for the most part, I don't even like going anywhere. It's not even no. fun. Like, it's just not yeah. – like we, we went to the bars when they were open here in Pennsylvania, and, like, you have to be so far away from somebody. You got to wear a mask, and you're still paying more – you actually pay more money because there's no specials at the bars because they got to make the money back. So it's like I'm just staying at home. I'm just trying to come out with new content. Like, you can see behind me, I got a uh, – it's my green screen. This is my little studio area. Um, so I'm just going to be doing a lot more videos online, man, and hopefully, you know, we throw a bunch of shit to the wall. One of them will stick. The, uh, yeah. And hopefully they aren't too smelly. Um, speaking of shit, <laughs> what about your podcast? <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> but seriously, what about your podcast? Uh, it's not a thing right now, but it was the Matt Light show. It was on Spotify. Um, we used to do it on location. Now I'm just going to be doing it on my own in the future. Uh, I think it's just going to be like a weekly rant where I just talk about random shit going on in the world. Don't worry. Nothing political, everybody. It's just all fun. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll do that once a week. I also want to do a trivia show maybe once a week where, like, I want to do it on Zoom, mm-hmm. but stream it through Facebook. And then, like, when they get a question wrong, roast them for, like, 20 seconds, you know, <laughs> and then them compete for, like, a grand prize of something. I think that would be fun. So I'm just trying to just stay busy and have fun, man. Like I said, it's it's all about having fun. If, you know, if I didn't want to have fun, I'd, I'd have a miserable fucking job, you That's know. True. And if I don't – the second I don't enjoy this anymore, I got to quit. So That's how I feel about doing a podcast. The second's not fun. <laughs> I'm not getting paid for this shit. I'm done. It's <laughs> up to Brennan. Fun. <laughs> I'm getting paid, so <laughs> – um, speak, speaking of roasting, Matt did this thing where you give him ten bucks, uh, Venmo him ten bucks, and he roasts you. Oh, uh, dude, I made so much. I made like a thousand dollars off of that. <laughs> yeah, I made a thousand. I had a hundred people pay me to roast other people, and then my drinking shows. I would do a power hour on Facebook Live, and yeah. you could pay like twenty five bucks, and I'd shotgun a beer. You pay twenty five dollars, I would ice myself. Fifty bucks, I'd twerk on the wall. Dude, in, in a month and a half, I made five grand. What the fuck I, am I doing? I thought, you, I thought you meant that people would pay ten bucks for you to roast them. And I mean, I'm, I suppose there. So I can't imagine lightening my bank account for, for you to, you know, make me feel bad about myself. No, they pick like an ex-girlfriend or like a fucking boss. And then I just shit on these people for about a minute and a half. One of my, uh, one of my good buddies, Mason, who Matt knows... Oh, I didn't yeah, even know. Awesome. I didn't even know he was doing this. Uh, Mason and me are 
big fans of Matt. So he, he just like sent me the link and he's like, ha Matt roasted you, your turn. And, and my buddy Mason kind of for at least me looks like Matt Damon. So Matt's like, tell me, shout out to Mason Craddock and, uh, won't name where he's from. Cause that'd yeah, probably he's, be, he's a cool dude. Yeah, uh, we would love to check you out. Um, I know him and his wife want to check you out. At, Dude, at, so I was supposed to perform in June. Up, yeah. up in Worc- Worcester, 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 Worcester kid. It should be it should be pronounced like Worcester, but you guys yeah. are idiots up there. So whatever that area was, I was supposed to perform there. And dude, I had like seventy people from like that area coming to see me. I was so excited. Like I, I thought it'd be. Yeah, so also, yeah, that's something I – You thanks for reminding me. That's a, another destination I got to hit up. So next year's goals, man, I want to come to Atlantic City. Uh, we hang out for the weekend. Uh, I want to go up to the Boston area. And uh, Brennan, is that where you're at? Yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm near Fall River, so like an hour south of Boston. Sweet. You're going to come up. We'll do a, we'll do a show on, on a Saturday night or something. And, uh, yeah, man, that's what I want to do really is uh, – is to just do a lot of more travel, especially where I know I have uh, a decent amount of friends, you know. So, like, up there with you guys would be a lot of fun. If you came to Atlantic City, I'll tell you what, I'd get as many as my friends as uh, I could possibly get. Cause I, awesome. I've been wanting to see you for, like, three years, man. I don't know. What the fuck? The last it, time Matt was going to come up to New England, it got canceled when I was thinking about going up. I forget what happened. Oh, uh, Steelers and Pats were supposed yeah. to be in the AFC Championship. Yeah, and we lost to Jacksonville. I'm not rubbing that in or nothing, but that was the last no, no, time. No, no, yeah, yeah, because I was supposed to perform at Gillette. Yeah, I was gonna perform. You know, what? I'll rub it in. You guys were arrogant as fuck that year. <laughs> we should have won though, dude. We were we were so good that year. Dude. I know that's exactly what you kept saying. That's why I say you were arrogant as fuck. Yeah. We were so good, but we have you know, dude. It's just oh, I hate it so much. The way that the Pats beat the Steelers or had, and I think that's going to end forever now with the Pats winning anything, but um, the way that the Pats have beaten the Steelers in Gillette, I'm just saying it's. I think it's mostly luck <laughs> with some of the calls. Oh, it's, close. it's always interesting. No, no, I will say, though, up in Gillette, they whoop our ass. When it's in Pittsburgh, we get fucked every time. When we go up to Gillette, Ben sucks on the road. Uh, Ben's super intimidated by Brady. He's super intimidated by that team. He always plays bad. The whole team plays bad. But when they like when that Jesse James fucking dropping the ball, get yeah. we we beat the fuck out of them that whole game. We whooped their ass the whole game. And if we would have won that game, here's what happens: Tennessee comes to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh whoops their ass. New England crushes Jacksonville probably. Jack in Tennessee. I mean, New England has to come to Pittsburgh, and then New England would beat Pittsburgh in it in, in that game because that's just how it is. Like I'm realistic, dude. If the game counts, we're not fucking winning it. We have a terrible coach. I fucking can't stand him. I don't like Tomlin either. He I think sucks. he's a, he, he's Eric, he's the fuck. Tomlin's the unfun version of a dick coach, whereas we got like Rex Ryan, where he was fun to watch. Yeah, he's great. He cut prom, he cut WWE promos on the other team. Tomlin is just like this. Yeah, you know, uh, we tip our caps off to those guys. You know, uh, the standard is the standard. It's the next man up. We own it, and uh, we look forward to our next opponent. 
And then they ask him a question, and uh, they're like, hey, Mike, what do you think about that challenge? He's like, you know, uh, next man up. All right, next question. Like, he fucking <laughs> doesn't even answer them, dude. Yeah, You guys didn't even cut him any slack for almost making the playoffs with fucking Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. Here's why. You gotta, give him a little credit. No, here's why. They only beat one team with a winning record that year. Only one. Yeah. And you know who it was? You know who it was? The, the fucking Rams. And Jared okay. Goff sucks on the road. Yeah. Jared Goff sucks so bad he gave the Patriots their sixth fucking Super Bowl on 13 points. <laughs> I think we should cover. 13 points. I know. It was a low-scoring game. Very unpopular um, amongst the general public. But the last thing football-related we should definitely talk about is Antonio Brown. What is wrong with that guy? I love him. He's such a train wreck. I just, it just, it's so interesting to me, man, because so I was in New England the week everything happened, right? Mm. He got released by the Raiders, and I, and then I was like, we were in New England for the Steelers Patriots game, and I just remember going, these fucking pricks knew what was gonna happen. New England fucking is just gonna pick them up. Belichick's been talking to him. It's going to happen. The people are like, no way, no way. Saturday morning, we find out that he's going to the Patriots, and the whole city was ready to fucking fly up to Boston and shoot everybody because we we were convinced that, like, it was, like, in the workings for years. Like, we're mm. like, they got exactly what they wanted. They paid nothing. They fucked one team out of a draft pick. Like, we got nothing. So we were so pissed. And then, like, then he goes there. Has a great game against Miami, and then all of his drama happens. The Patriots, no, no nonsense. Like, and, I, and that's the one thing about the Patriots I love is they go, "Hey, you're fucked up. That's fine. We're we're a group of fucked up people." Um, you know, like Legarrette Blunt, he intentionally pushed Todd Haley in Pittsburgh to get released because he knew he had a job in the with New England, and he won a Super Bowl the year. Good for him, though. They're the NWO of the NFL, dude. Like, I respect the shit out of them, but I hate them because they're not us, you know? But A.B., dude, A.B. is just – he has mental health issues, man. And I really, as as a human, I hope he gets his shit together. As a football player, I hope he tears his fucking ACL on the first play. I love it. Unless he resigns with Pittsburgh, right? Well, well, no, we won't, we already said we'll never bring him back. I, I don't know why anybody was surprised when New England when New England signed him. I mean, you can say what you want about Cam Newton, but we got him for seven dollars and some Seven Eleven nachos. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I think I think it's I think it's a great deal because it's all incentive based. If he doesn't perform, he gets the league minimum. Fuck him. Yeah. If he does well, he gets eight mil. Listen, can't, the thing is, is like you could have a grocery. Uh, bag attendant fucking play quarterback for you guys and you're still going to win 10 games. I mean, you have the best coach of all time and he's amazing at cheating and they're going <laughs> to find a way. They're just going to find a way to win. They're just going to find a way and I respect it, man. I, I'm no longer bitter about it. You just have to accept it. They get they get caught cheating three fucking times and they lose a third round draft pick and a, a million fucking dollars, which is toilet paper to Robert Kraft and his handjob services. That's nothing. <laughs> like, that's good for them. Like, if that's what my penalty was, I would cheat every fucking game too. I'd keep doing it. Because even when they get caught, they're like, hey, now, Bill, you can't do that. He's like, let me cut my sleeves. Uh, 
Fuck it, dude. Do it again. Cheat again. Win seven. Who cares? I want to see New England and Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Bill Belichick. Because it sure as fuck won't be Pittsburgh. Oh, I know. I know. But I want to see New England and I want to see Tampa Bay and I want to see Bain blow up the fucking stadium from (laughs) back Then America wins. So, Matt, where can people follow you? Well, probably on the FBI most wanted list at this point. After this conversation. No, you can find me on uh, my Instagram is Matt Light Comedy. My Twitter is Matt Light. My Facebook, just search my name. I'm not the left tackle from the New England Patriots. <laughs> Matt, oh, seriously, it's it, go ahead. Oh, uh, real quick though, that's one of my yeah. favorite things in the world. Sure. Is uh, every time Matt Light does charity events, <laughs> they always tag my fan page. And I always reply, fuck New England. I hate these people. <laughs> so they think that Matt Light, the left tackle, said fuck that. They go, fuck these kids. <laughs> like, that's so, oh, okay, so I'm pretty much losing everyone that's listening to the show. <laughs> All right, Matt. It's been a pleasure talking to you, man. Seriously. I, right, I'm bro. glad. Thanks for Here joining. Me. Thanks, man. Go Steelers. We are in your mind. We are all around. You are now leaving Deadhead Space. Hey, if there's anything that makes you uncomfortable when we're asking it, I'll write down the time and I will delete it. Not a problem. Fuck, fuck you. What okay, I- good enough yeah. for me.